Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. LA is how famous you are. D.C. is how powerful you are. New York is how rich you are. But Austin is how are you? My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast in Austin, Texas. Yes, we are celebrating women around the world, and Austin is one of my favorite cities in the States, and I get to hang out this afternoon with Ashley. (laughs) Ashley, you're like a representative of tech and business and entrepreneurship in the state of Texas, I feel like. (laughs) Wow, that's very sweet. It's a lot of responsibility. (laughs) Lots of hats, lots of tabs open at all times. Yeah. Um, So go ahead and introduce introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, why I would think that you represent like the state and like innovation. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my name is Ashley Jennings. I serve as the program manager for the Herb Kelleher Center for Entrepreneurship, Growth and Renewal at UT Austin, Hookham. Um, and I started that role about five months ago. But prior to that, I've uh, bootstrapped two companies for three years. Uh, my first company that's still going is called Sparrow Labs. It's a video production company, and we primarily serve the tech community. Most of our portfolio and clients are tech um, companies here in Austin, across Texas, some on the West Coast, few, few on the East Coast as well. And then I'm also one of the co-founders of an accelerator in town called Devink, which serves women and ethnically diverse tech founders. Um, do you sleep? <laughs> I'm sleeping more that I'm, <laughs> that I'm back on the 40 acres and in this incredible role where I can serve students and alumni by day um, and then wear a different <laughs> cape by night. Uh, but for a while there, for a good few years, espresso was my friend and I uh, chugged a lot of red eyes throughout <laughs> and, the years. And you mentioned before we started recording that I think you said on Fridays you go running with your girlfriends. Yes, we do. <laughs> we go on a yeah, we go on a seven a.m. run over Friday to kick our Friday off right. And usually we're even collaborating a little bit and riffing on like, okay, what are you working on? What projects went on this week? Um, you know, did you meet anyone cool? Yeah. So it's a good group, good circle to have. Awesome. So okay, so we share a love for production. We'll get into the video production. We'll get in it to your your university work, and we'll get into your accelerator work. Where do you want to begin? Uh, probably with the video production, okay. since that's my kind of foundational sure. groundwork of everything. Um, I started as a field producer in New York at ABC News. I was on Diane Sawyer's team, which was incredible at the time when she was on the desk. Uh, I did that for a few years, and I went and helped launch Al Jazeera America when we had the American Network up and running. And after so many years in New York, 
I just realized it was time to get back to Texas. I knew I would always end up back in Austin. Yeah. I just didn't know how long it would take me to come back uh, home. And I left New York with the dream of owning my own video production company. Right. I, had, I had the skill set at that point. I learned a lot being in a network newsroom. And I wanted to pivot from telling, you know, bad stories of horrific tragedy to telling great brand stories uh, for our clients. And so right. that's that's what I came back to Austin to do. And um, I launched a video production company out of Capital Factory. So I was inside of Capital Factory. Tell us what Capital Factory is. Absolutely. Capital Factory is a co-working space accelerator and fund in town um, for tech startups. And it was the first of its kind here in Austin. And the team there really creates the center of gravity for all things happening in the city when it comes to tech and innovation. And uh, it's a great resource for founders. And um, it's been one of my family Non, uh, one of my startup family communities since the beginning. I really learned yeah. how to be an entrepreneur at Capital Factory because I never thought I'd be doing this. I'm definitely an accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. You may be accidental, but you have your feet, hands, toes, ears, and everything dipped into all of it. <laughs> so let's let's talk about your university. Let's jump over to your university work. Um, tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So throughout the years, as I've been growing my own companies and serving the the tech and startup community, I was kind of slowly being called back home to the 40 acres. And this past year in January, I pivoted away from uh, the accelerator that I had co-founded and I put my focus on pouring into the next generation of entrepreneurs and realizing that there's so much innovation going on on campus. You kind of get siloed in the downtown community, yeah. but there are incredible innovation centers at every single college on campus. And the resources, not just for students and alum, but for the community, are incredible. Um, and so I started with Herb Kelleher Center for Entrepreneurship. And basically what we do is we create programming, workshops, pitch competitions, any and all resources that a startup on campus might need to be successful. And then we're in the process of figuring out how to serve our alum more uh, through a fund that we're raising for the university. I'm excited because I truly believe that UT Austin is the top institute in the in the world for innovation and entrepreneurship. Yeah. We just got to get that story out a little bit more. And you said that you've had three startups in your past? Two. Two. And tell us a little bit about that before we jump into your accelerator. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the accelerator is one of my startups. Oh, okay. That's mm-hmm. one, one of the two. Okay. So one of the two, Sparrow Labs is one, my production company, and kind of how that all evolved. So I was, I was working out of Capital Factory. I was mentoring on storytelling and messaging and the importance of how to do quality video on a on a shoestring budget, yeah. how to do it well. And I was helping a lot of startups. And as we were building out our production company, I was looking around for women mentors and advisors and noticed such a lack thereof in right. the tech space and thought, where are my ladies at? So I started doing a lot of research around where all the VC funding was going or lack thereof. I yeah. mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Only 3% um, go to women founders. And then out of that, only 1% women of color. And so the statistics are there. I became very passionate about figuring out how to help women business owners and teamed up with two co-founders. And we launched Devink. And um, we had three different cohorts go through before I pivoted away this in the uh, this year. And it's just been incredible to watch the growth and the community support and just Austin as a whole becoming the epicenter for diversity in tech and becoming kind of this area where we're just turning out more 
tech uh, diversity and tech evangelists, which is great. Like it's it's everyone rising tides are coming together. Every co-working space in town are is catching on to the importance and the need to vocalize. Hey, we need to be actively recruiting um, d- talent. And uh, so watching our companies come through, we're modeled after tech stars. So it's a real lean, mean curriculum. And just watching the companies come through, the 30 that I uh, was there for was incredible. And it was just such an incredible journey. While I was doing that is when um, I pivoted in, into this new university role this year. Okay, let's start at the beginning. And where the beginning is going to go is eventually I'm going to ask you is how do you organize your day? <laughs> but at the beginning, when did you first fall in love with technology? Uh, I think it started in the network newsroom. I mean, from a storyteller perspective, tech is vital in how we kind of capture um, stories, especially breaking news stories on the ground. And just watching the evolution of what we're doing today in the news world is incredible. I mean, we're, we're utilizing AR and VR and 360 video and we're putting audiences in the depth of what's happening in real time. Um and some of those devices are as tiny as, you know, you could fit in your hand. And so watching the evolution of that from the big bulky cameras with tape that we were yeah. utilizing in 2011 has been kind of my initial passion around tech and uh, on the equipment side of things. And then when I started serving tech companies out of Capital Factoring, helping them export their stories and helping these incredible entrepreneurs out of Austin figure out how to get their story out to the West Coast and the East Coast, because that's the thing is like... Austin has the opportunity, and we continue to own the middle of the country. Right. I think we have the opportunity. We are the next Silicon Valley. Um, and I think working out of a co-working space like Capital Factory really provokes that like passion for tech within yeah. you. And we are a tech town, hands down, for sure. Especially. Oh, you're, to- you're totally a-, a tech town. Yeah, yeah. And you're that- an awesome tech town because, if, I don't know, I feel like Austin, wherever you go, you feel like you're in your best friend's living room at all times. Absolutely. You do. One of my one of the I have a lot of mentors that I um, love of love and have served, you know, served me so greatly over the years and great friendships. But one of my mentors says it best whenever he's talking about Austin because he's worked on each coast recovering network news. And he says, you know, L.A. is how famous you are. D.C. is how powerful you are. New York is how rich you are. But Austin is how are you? And that's really oh true. Oh my god! Yeah. I love to that. our culture. It's it is. How are you? We're so collaborative. We are all hands on deck at all times, helping one another. I mean, I've I've met, never had a bad incident with entrepreneurs trying to help, especially the women in tech. Yeah, and the women leaders in town um, are such a group and an incredible community uh, that that back each other up and lift each other up. I've never heard that, and I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Josh Rubin. I'll give the credit to Josh Rubin. (laughs) I love it. And then you execute so much day to day. How do you organize yourself? Absolutely. Well, like I said, my my day hat, my day cape is serving students and our alumni at the University of Texas at Austin. So by day, I am, I'm, you know, making sure that all of our fall programming is set. We're flying in some incredible speakers. Some of our serial entrepreneurs and our VCs on the West Coast are coming in for big speaker series. We're planning for Austin Startup Week right now. We're, We're leaders for the university and student entrepreneur track. Um, we're also launching our first entrepreneurship minor. So we have our first 115 students coming in the fall. Wow. People get a minor in entrepreneurism now. And it's, it's so, it's awesome. Just kind of taking that cohort and seeing how we can help them progress and also tracking the data around 
the moment they enter the 40 acres as a freshman to their second, third company yeah. down the road. And so by day, I wear that that hat, that uh, cape. And then by night, um, I put on my Sparrow Labs hat. Yeah. And what drives you? Like, why do so much? Well, um, and I mean, honestly, I think with entrepreneurism and being an entrepreneur, there are ebb and flows that you have to figure out, you know, especially with bootstrapping companies. Um, for me at the beginning of this year, I really need to, need to figure out recalibrating a little bit financially because I just ran my nonprofit for two years yeah. and we we ran that with very little resources. And my other two co-founders and I poured our sweat, blood and tears into it. Um, but we had just started gathering the success metrics to start really selling our story right. and get the, get the funding and the sponsorship we needed to be successful. Um, so for me, also it's, it's seasons. So this season, you know, I was called, I've been called to back to campus and I also have the dream of going the venture route is my ultimate goal. Right. I realize as, as many resources and mentorships and uh, network you can pour into women business owners. It's, it's the capital. We've got to have women investing in women more. And so my dream is that. So hence being back on the 40 acres, I'm auditing some finance classes. I'm learning the, the hard skills that I I haven't, you know, had yet in my career and um, utilizing being back on campus in the education and the academia and some of the top researchers in the country around entrepreneurism are at UT. So kind of reading what they're doing and, and learning right now. And what do you think are the advantages of studying to be an entrepreneur versus just going out and, and doing it or a combination of the two. Like a lot of people would be apprehensive. Like why, why pay, why go to school and pay to learn when I could just dive in and try? Absolutely. I mean, and, and coming from industry and now being in academia, that's the exact question that I asked myself, meeting yeah. a lot of my um, directors and, you know, a lot of the leaders on campus who um, study entrepreneurism but haven't necessarily launched their own product or service right. or something. Um, there's such value in the research and there's such value in the education. I, as I said, as an, as an accidental entrepreneur, I have great soft skills. I have also learned fundraising and business development. But now to take my career to the next level, having those hard skills that a business school offers, um, I think is going to help me tenfold down the road. But it's, you know, everyone has their own journey. What tips can you give us about fundraising? Oh, absolutely. Um, fundraising as a woman, as you know, is a little <laughs> harder. My success rate walking into a room uh, with one of my male counterparts was always a little more successful um, ending the presentation than if it was just me in the room. But tips around fundraising, I mean, it's all about building relationships, starting out. It's building organic, real relationships. And so I never would have an initial coffee meeting with a, an investor or a potential sponsor um, that started off with an ask. The ask should come in the second or third, maybe even fourth meeting, um, but it should never be in that first meeting. You tell your story first and you yeah. create a relationship with them and you, you you help them understand your story and care about your story is the biggest thing um, for fundraising. And then, I mean, I was fundraising for a nonprofit. And so, you know, we thought it would be really easy. We went the nonprofit route because we thought, okay, let's go to Google, let's go to IBM, yeah. Intel, Dell, gather those checks, you know, sure everyone's doing their own sort of DNI, diversity inclusion efforts internally in these corporations and on these yeah. campuses. Um, but because we didn't have metrics off the top and we were just selling a story, it was yeah. hard to get 
large checks to it was me just well, our biz dev team just going out and getting those small checks to just survive at first that first year. And what is an obstacle? We are talking a little bit about what is challenging. What was an obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? An obstacle that I had to overcome in the past uh, few years of being an entrepreneur, I think for me, uh, has been figuring out when to pivot and the right time to pivot and when to let something go. That's so hard. And it's really hard. It really, especially when you've given, like I said, sweat, blood and tears into making it work and the dream and you can visualize what the three to five years on the road looks like. If you could just get that little bit of funding. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think letting go of that dream and letting go of, uh, you know, something that you've been working on for so long is it's hard, but it's also ebb and flows of being an entrepreneur. And it's a smart move because you're being when a door slams, usually three, four five others open at yeah. that time. And so it's important to strategically figure out what doors you're going to walk through and give your energy to versus I used to walk through all doors and take all opportunities. And now I'm at the point in my career where I realize I don't have to take every coffee meeting. I don't have to say yes to every coffee meeting. Um, I need to preserve my energy and my health and my time, uh, you know, as, as much as possible. And so I think that was something that took me the past three to four years to learn was, uh, you know, preserving health and time and, and saying no, because saying no can be hard, too. Totally. Totally. <laughs> saying no is really hard. It's funny. We had an interview earlier today and her thing is saying yes. Mm. My thing is saying no. Um, it's a th- like there's no right or wrong. There's pros and cons to both. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people ask me for a lot of things in order to mind my health. I need to say no now a lot. So it's not about saying yes to the opportunity. However, in my personal life, it is because I haven't allowed enough space for my personal life. So if somebody said, let's go race car driving, it's like, even if I feel busy, just say yes. Just go. Yeah. Let's go on a boat. Yes. Yep. But in my professional life, I'm like, no. Need a little bit more me time. You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. And she was saying the reason that she excelled so far ahead in her professional life is she said yes to a lot of things that she was worried about. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I and I started out saying yes because I was learning. Mm-hmm. Like when I first got back on the ground here in Austin four years ago, I had no clue. Oh, I wanted to, you know, create a video production company. But how do I do that? Where do I go to learn? How do who are the mentors? I mean, I was taking so many coffee meetings, trying to just to gather and learn, going to so many meetups and networking events to really get a grasp of the community and the incredible resources Austin has for founders and startups. And um, so I was doing that. But when you do that and you're going, you're out at networking events four nights a week and you're working 10 hour days before that, it's just a point hits where you hit a wall and you've got to reel it back a little bit. Now, why do all three? Why do the, and I know the accelerator is kind of like, you're really passionate about it, but it's on the list of priorities. It's UT and then the video network. They're kind of the same, but different hours of the day. And then the accelerator. But like, why all three? Well, the accelerator, I'm not involved with anymore. I was just. So you have moved on. So I it's have just part of your fully life. Fully moved yeah. on. Yeah, fully moved you on. You just believe in it being successful. I do. I do support, um, of course, you know, our, our portfolio companies that came through yeah. for those two years that I was helping. Uh, but I am one of the initial co founders. So I do still support and definitely will uh, meet with founders when needed uh, and connect, 
make connections for them. And um, but now it's it's and that's another thing too is like so many tabs open at all times, right? As entrepreneurs, we probably have a million different tabs open in our minds, projects, things we yeah. want to work on, and on our desktop, and on our desktop. So <laughs> how do you, everywhere? <laughs> how do you turn? How do you close some of those tabs to focus? Because yeah. that's the, really the only way to grow and scale on your career right. is to focus on very few. And so I've kind of hit that point where I realize I was running around. I was doing a little too much. So how do, how do I recalibrate and make sure that I am pouring energy into what, like my five-year goals, which right. means, you know, turning, closing some of those tabs and just focusing. Yeah. Where can people connect with you? People can connect out online. Yeah, I do. I'm very active on Twitter. Um, and that just comes from my news world days, but I'm very active on Twitter. People can connect on me with me there. Uh, I also, you know, I'm, I always give out my email if people want to go sit for down it and have coffee. Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y at Sparrow, S-P-E-R-O labs.com. You've been exposed to a lot of different types of entrepreneurship from being involved with Accelerator to the university, to your own stuff. What would you say is a common mistake people make when starting? A common mistake people make when starting is uh, market validation and talking mm. to their customer and really figuring out if what they want to do is even a need or a problem to solve. I love that we're a tech city. It's great. We're developing so many incredible products and services, but I want to see more like real world problems being solved yeah. in Austin. It's great to have a dating app rolled out and, you know, more on the market there. But if we could on the social innovation side of things, which we have a thriving ecosystem that's yeah. just launched on the east side around social innovation. Um, man, think about the world problems we could solve in other ways, not just focusing on, um, you know, tech all the time. And, and I think we have a, a great opportunity to solve some incredible problems. But I, I w- main mistake that I see a lot of founders make is market validation, talking to customers and really planning out that go to market strategy. Marketing is is key. And I think I always emphasize building community around whatever you're about to launch before you even do. Right. So that you always have you already have your buy in your customers. there ready. It's, it's funny. We're sitting here in Impact Hub, which is this incredible co-working space here in Austin. And as far as I'm aware, they actually do social impact events and initiatives. So um, you guys go, I think it's impacthub.com or something like that. But I'm pretty sure they're doing uh, one coming up on like how the city's growing and to grow with scale and ease and to incorporate community in that growth. I don't remember, to be honest. I just remember uh, social innovation and impact hub. There was a combination there. That they were part. Do you know about? Yeah, it? they do a ton of great stuff. Okay. I absolutely adore Ashley Phillips and her team here, and uh, just the whole leadership with Impact Hub Austin. And they run an, a specific accelerator around sustainability yeah. and you know housing, yeah. and housing affordability. And um, so, I think that graduation is coming up for this this recent cohort class that just went through the accelerator, and it's cool. They're working on some cool stuff, like how to build out housing with shipping containers. Um, that might be, you know, implemented on the east side for everyone moving here and whatnot. I mean, it's, it's, they're, I would say solving some real problems awesome. to be solved. And what is your favorite book? Oh gosh, that's a hard one. Uh, I'm going through, so I go through seasons with books where like right now I'm in a, 
you know, recalibrating financially seasoned. So I'm reading a lot of books around, like I just read um, The Science of Getting Rich. And I uh, following up on that, I read Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass at Making Money, which is so great. Love that <laughs> was one. Was it a good book? Oh, it was great. Yeah. And she she That's, mimics it off of The of Art it? of Science. What it, What is the, the takeaway? The takeaway is just all about surrounding yourself with the same frequency of people that are wanting the same thing out of life that you are at the moment. So Jen has a great story, and I read her first book, You Are a Badass. Um, but she basically, I mean, she was a profound author in New York, you know, writing for the New York Times and um, was a freelancer, but she could never figure out how to actually make money, which a lot of us creatives have a problem figuring that out. But um, she started manifesting and visualizing. She got a life coach, and she started hanging out with more of her high-frequency friends who right. were you know, doing careers and jobs that she wanted to mimic one day. And um, and now she runs her own consultancy and coaching firm. And it, it's pretty cool. And it, just hearing her own personal stories of being in the depths of like, oh, my gosh, just one more check needs to come through to make rent to now she runs like, you know, a six figure. She's making, I mean, revenue wise monthly. She's doing really well. So that's, I have to check that out. That's a good How one. to be a badass. You are a badass. Yeah. And then the one I just read is You Are a Badass at Making Money. You Are a Badass at Making Money. Yeah. But I would say that my favorite book in recent reading um, has probably been I, all Brene Brown. I'm reading Brene's Everybody most recent her. I haven't read any yet. Stuff. Yeah. But I, I hear her name all the time. Daring Greatly is really good. But Sheryl Sandberg's um, Plan B was my favorite. I think this past year, our option, Cheryl Zamberg's option B, she spoke at the women's conference this right. year and it was incredible to hear her story. And then we all went home with a, with um, a signed copy. And so I got an audible and listened to it right away. And that was absolutely inspiring and how to pivot when you're going through uh, personal life crises and you're, you know, you're just walking through some really hard times and now as an entrepreneur and, you know, a leader how to then take that and implement uh, things within your own cult company culture to do better for people. So her big thing was creating leave around um, death, longer leave around when you lost a loved one. Um, uh, what is your favorite productivity tool or software or app? Trello. I love Trello. <laughs> well, okay, why? Trello, Basecamp, Asana, why Trello? <laughs> uh, Trello, I find easier to navigate than the others, but I've always, I've been on Trello for a while now, and I love that I can make my board specifically around whether it's an event that I'm hosting or I'm prepping for a meeting or I'm talking to my whole marketing team of what collateral we need done by when I put deadlines on there. I love Trello. Um, what else do we... Yeah, Trello is probably my main one. I'm not a big Slack person. I, and I, I know everyone uses Slack in, in the startup world. So, okay. Wait, no. So, supposedly. But then we have a private Slack community in Los Angeles, the We Are LA Tech Slack. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, we need Slack. But then they don't actually want the Slack. Yeah. They just want the Slack to exist but not actually use the Slack. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, I don't want to get notified in the middle of my meeting. I'm like, well, turn off your notification. You know, like, yeah. but it's I think it's very confusing. I think the PR campaign for Slack is very strong. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the use of Slack I know. is as strong. Uh, yeah, true. True. But you're right. I've, I think I have so many channels up right now that right? I'm not on. So many channels. Yeah. And I just pop in when, like, something comes to me. Like, I'm on a flight, like, 
hacker mm-hmm. channel. So, like, let's say I'm trying to book a flight somewhere. I'll go there. But other than that, I don't know if I'm getting DM'd. I don't know yep. if I'm at mentioned. Yeah. 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 But Trello is probably my, I would say, my favorite yeah. one for sure. Yeah. Rad. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Is there anything you wanted to say that we didn't get to? No, I think I think that's it. Thank you so much for having me and for being here and helping tell such important stories. Oh, my God. It's exciting. Your city. Oh, I know. It is. It is the the energy. I was just at the Army's uh, celebration because they just announced that the new Futures Command Center is going to be here. And we're we're doing that. with. They're going to be at UT. They'll be housed at our UT Systems Building. And so just... Being around that sort of innovation and the minds coming in, I mean, it's, it's, we just keep on growing. It's awesome. It's exciting. So rad. Thank you so much for hanging out with Women in Tech. If you want to connect with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Women in Tech Show. I will talk to you guys, see you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye! This is Ashley Jennings. I'm the program manager at Herb Kelleher Center for Entrepreneurship Growth and Renewal at the University of Texas at Austin. We are the epicenter for all things innovation happening at UT, and you are listening to Women in Tech. Impact Hub here in Austin, Texas has been our home. We want to give a huge thanks to making it possible for us to comfortably meet and interview several inspiring women in tech. They have the most collaborative workspace, incredible events, beautiful design, a hammock in their backyard. What? It's an incredible space. You have to check it out if you're in Austin. Thank you so much for being a part of the Women in Tech journey. Be sure to go to impacthubaustin.com to get your free day of co-working. I want to give a huge thanks to the team at SpyCloud. SpyCloud protects your employee and customer information from breaches and account takeovers. Try SpyCloud's early warning breach detection platform. SpyCloud made it possible for us to meet with several women in tech here in Austin, Texas, and I am so thankful that they have been part of the Women in Tech podcast journey. Get protected today by going to spycloud.com. That's S-P-Y-C-L-O-U-D.com. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.